everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Haunting of Hill House. Today we'll be covering the 10th and final episode from Netflix TV series The Haunting of Hill House titled Silence Lay Steadily. Yeehaw! And we made we, it. We made it! <laughs> <laughs> We're, we, we haven't needed any emotional support, no therapy yet. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think we made it through just fine, so... We did. We made it. I'm I'm excited to to jump into uh, the finale because I think it's just going to help to talk it out. So with that being said, uh, let's jump into our top five. And is it my turn this week? Really? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and start? Why don't I do that? All right. So my number five, I'm just going to start off because I want to get this out of the way because um, I really don't like to be too negative, but a couple things that just kind of bugged me just a little bit about the finale, and I'm not going to dump all over it, but I have to get this out. I'm going to visit the Department of Suspensive Disbelief for just a little bit. Is that, is that the way it goes? I don't remember. <laughs> um, Jason and Karen are always really good about that. Um, so not to jump around too, too much, but um, just the part with Steve and, and Lee, um, I, I feel like it it was so unrealistic, I think, to, to really think or believe that after all that Steve had put Lee through, uh, he lying about his vasectomy for so long that it even went so far as to then begin um, infertility treatments and how far how, the the steps she had already taken as far as infertility was getting her to go through IVF before she found out that he had a vasectomy. And I'm just calling BS on that one that they end up together. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems I like know. did he? I mean. We find towards the end, it seems like she was pregnant. So either they found an alternate means or he got it reversed, which you can do. Um, I've yes. heard when when men have that done, it's a lot more painful uh, than getting it done. Oh, is it? That's oh. what I've heard. I've heard reversing it's – I've heard getting it's not the most comfortable thing in the world, but mm-hmm. uh, actually um, getting it done in reverse is, is pretty bad. I Well, I – I've never had that experience, um, so I can't say. Uh, I hadn't heard that, but that's interesting. Um, But yeah, maybe. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It just seems like, I mean, it might be one thing for her to be like, okay, you know what, I get where you're coming from because you can kind of see where he, I mean, it it wasn't good that he lied to her. I'm not trying to justify the fact that he lied, but I can kind of see why he wanted the vasectomy in the first place um, and the fears that he had and and why he did it. We heard um, all of that in another episode. Um, but the fact that he lied to her about it for so long, let it get that far, and that he didn't tell her, and that he he just let it go for that long, I feel like is, you know, she might be able to be like, okay, you know what, I forgive you, but I'm not going to, like, be with you or whatever. Yeah, I imagine how, like, awkward that conversation was. Like, they get back together, and, like, they, like, mend everything, and they're sitting there. She's like, so you're getting a reversed, right? He's like, <laughs> about that. Hmm. I mean, it would have been one thing. Well, I mean, I guess he never, he said he never wanted kids. So I guess he probably never had his, um, and especially like straight out of college, never would have like frozen a sperm or anything like that for a just in case. So maybe he did get it um, reversed or whatever, but I don't know. I just, I thought, you know what? I just don't see it. Maybe she could be like, okay, well, that makes sense. I understand why you did it. I forgive you, but we're, you know, we're still, I can't like ever really trust you again or whatever. I just don't, 
I don't see how she could ever take him back. That's coming from a female perspective. I don't know if anyone else thinks differently, um, but that's um, my thoughts on it. I also had a little bit of trouble with Luke surviving after being injected with rat poison. <laughs> yeah, that one was kind of uh, a bit much too. I like the idea of it. I mean, I'm glad Luke survived. Yeah, I mean, sure. when, we, when we saw him in the last episode where he kind of looked like something had happened, I was concerned that like, and we saw visions too. I didn't know how he was going to pull through it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of where the supernatural of this kind of took place. So I think like his sister maybe had a part in helping as well. Right. Um, I do feel that uh, this episode wasn't the best, um, I guess, landing. Like there were some good parts to it, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you talked about suspension of disbelief. The uh, The part that kind of made me kind of like, kind of wrinkle my nose a little bit was the fact that when they get in here the the person that's able to just touch him on the forehead and knock him out is poppy yeah and that kind of seemed like you know whenever you're playing like video games or you're playing like role-playing games like with D, like there's op like overpowered and that mm-hmm. seemed like the very overpowered ability she had that she never used while they're in the house that we know of i mean i guess right. maybe when they're in the rooms you could have said that she did something like that but Definitely seemed like a very overpowered thing that kind of felt like a, a good plot point, maybe. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I found that interesting, too. And, and I saw it as a way of her trying to, like, stop them or slow them down because it, she she kind of seemed to do it every time somebody was, like, off to help, you know, someone else um, that she would she would use that. But I don't know. That was a couple, couple things that I had um, issues with. And I just feel like I have to get them out of the way because for the most part, I was pretty satisfied um, with, with the episode, of course. But um, I just – I thought – you know, because it wasn't like, and I don't know, maybe he's, maybe because he's been an, an addict for all those years that maybe it's, I don't know. I mean, like alcoholics, right? I mean, it takes a, usually a lot for an alcoholic to get drunk versus someone who's not an alcoholic, right? Because they've built up a tolerance. Maybe he's, I mean, I don't know the equivalent of injecting rat poison versus <laughs> heroin here. I know I'm kind of reaching, but I don't know. I'm just trying to think how could he have survived well, that? I mean, that age, that uh, rat poison would have been like 20 some years old. So maybe it was diluted a little bit. So maybe you think it lost its potency over yeah, the years. Yeah. I get it. One one other small thing that I was thinking about when I was watching it the second time is I thought it was kind of strange. I want to get get your thoughts on it. Um, when Luke looks like it does, like he's waking up or dying, and he wakes up in the red room and it's all white, and he wakes up to the tea party with his mom and young Nell and Abigail are sitting there at the table and. Um, he seems to have almost no reaction to Abigail at all, which kind of surprises me because I, I mean, it was kind of a big deal throughout the whole story or throughout the whole series, right? That he has this, I mean, we thought of her as an imaginary friend or, or at least his family. And we thought of her as a ghost. Turns out she was real. His mother with him present um, when she had them in the, in the red room killed this little girl yeah. uh, with poison right in front of him. So I'm like, okay, so I'm trying to rationalize it and think, okay, well, he was six years old, so he probably doesn't have a lot of memory of it. Two, he'd been told from his family over and over and over again that she was just a, ma- a part of his imagination anyway and that she wasn't real. Um, so maybe that's where, it, you know, and then, of course, all the years of drugs have probably not done great things for his memory capacity. So I'm trying to just figure out why it would make sense Um you know, it's not a huge deal, but I just kind of thought, well, why didn't he have more reaction to Abigail? Like, oh, Abigail, oh my God, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it, it all 
kind of like what you just kind of said would be part of it. And the fact that like he saw, he's seeing his mother who he hadn't seen in 20 plus years Mm -hmm. um, and his sister, young version of his sister too, I think was probably a big part of it. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like if if you were told for 20 years that Abigail was a part of your imagination, she wasn't real, that you might kind of start forgetting about it and kind of not looking at her as a real person, which would be kind of my guess on it. Yep, I'm I'm willing to let it go. I'm not hanging up on it or anything, but it just I had to at least mention it in in my top five somewhere because I thought I just have to get it out of the way because I'm not going to feel good about it unless I just kind of get it out of my system a little bit. Other than that, um, I think I'm mostly satisfied. So I want to hear your number five. Where where you start it off? So my number five, I think you're going to see a pretty decent trend for my at least my first four. But this one's <laughs> going to be Steve's vision. Oh, good. So. I really enjoyed how we opened up to this very much uh, a Freddy Krueger nightmare on Elm Street. You know, like you're trapped in a nightmare. You're trapped. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned like 14, 1408 a few times, the Stephen yep. King short story. Love that and one. And very much got that feel. Like you're, you're seeing these things happen. You're like, okay, like – and they're doing great with flashbacks in there too to make you feel like this is this was actually in the future. Yeah. And Steve is stuck writing his sequel to The Haunting of Hill House – we see him with his wife. It looks like they made up. She's pregnant. Mm-hmm. But clues just kind of start falling. It's like this doesn't <laughs> feel right. Like this feels like we're in the dream of a Freddy Krueger nightmare. We're, you know, we're, we're being yes. tricked here. And, you know, the, the light bulbs kind of start flickering for, for Steve as well. And, and he kind of starts identifying. He's like, wait a second. Something's not right here. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Like, I can't remember anything. And, you know, he keeps saying, well, you haven't wrote it yet. And the imagery of when uh, his ghost wife at this point, his <laughs> image of his wife, talks about like him killing everything, and she like touches her belly and like ends up turning into like this black like the what we've seen of the ghosts, and like the realization of what was going on was just so unsettling. And mm-hmm. there's so many like like to me those are, you know, it's like the Matrix kind of stuff too. Like I always think like. If you're in a moment like that where you're like, oh, shit, this isn't real, like how much that would mess with your head. And Steve got that firsthand, not only with his writing, his family, but also his wife and a potential future kid that, you know, you could probably make arguments. Uh, and if you, if we watch this whole series over again, how do we know they're even out of the house now? You know, I mean, what if what if they are stuck in some kind of reality in the house? I mean, I bet if you watch this, you could make the, a valid argument for that. You are. You must have been reading some stuff online. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, there are some thoughts about that. I like that. I, but I like exactly what you said when um, talking about. I like the realizations that, that they all have when they're all kind of having these dreams because um, so many – I mean, that's kind of what it's like, right, is is – it seems real. I mean, you look at that and it looks real. That is their house. And at first it did kind of throw me off to see Lee walk in and she's pregnant. I was like, oh, are you kidding? They got together. Wait a minute. What? And I'm kind of like, no way would that happen in real life. And I already talked about that in my number five. But um, it seemed real. And I think that's kind of like what real dreams are like, right? When you're dreaming, oh, yeah. it feels really real. And then it all of a sudden it doesn't. But then you're sitting there and you're thinking, you're like, 
how did I get here? Like, you don't remember how you got there. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Or, or what happened to put you there? Like, how? Because it seemed like this just came out of nowhere. This was just a scene out of nowhere. And that's kind of how your dreams are, right? I mean, you when you are in it, or at least for me, most times when, I, um, when I'm in a dream, you don't, there's like no beginning to a dream. It feels like you're just plopped in the middle yeah. of, of something that's happening. And you're like, you don't know how you got there. You don't know where it started. And you don't really know, you know, how you got there, but it feels really real yeah. until it doesn't. I can't tell you how many times I have dreams where I wake up and Sarah Michelle Geller's right there. And like, <laughs> we're post something that I don't know. First thought that goes to my head is like, oh my God, my wife's going to kill me. And I didn't even get to enjoy any of it. I don't even remember any of say, it. You don't even remember it. That sucks. You, missed, like, Buffy, you missed all the good stuff. I know you're the slayer, but my wife is a mean old lady that'll well, she's not a mean old lady, she's just a strong hearted, willed lady that'll and say right cross. Sarah Michelle Geller should be afraid of your wife. I'm gonna say that. For sure. Yeah, I like that. I, I thought that was really great. Steve's was probably um just almost my favorite because it was <laughs> Because Lee giving him like the most scathing remarks in the most polite way possible was a little bit joyful to watch because I'm a little (laughs) bit, um, you know, Steve's not on my good side right now. So it it was quite joyful um, the way she was going at him and that visual of of her where it was like the baby is truly eating. Oh, yeah. Her from the inside out and how she is just like deteriorating was a great visual. I mean, so great. Um, And I mean, her lines, I'm just going to repeat it real quick. She says, you eat it and you shit it out. And then, and only then is it real for you. Mm. Normal people's lives are flesh and blood and muscle and bone, but not yours, darling. Oh no. Your life is plastic. You are a plastic parasite, a plastic hack, aren't you, honey? So of course you don't remember how you healed our marriage or made our baby because you haven't really seen it. Have you? You haven't shat it out in prose. I was always a supporting player in your story. If we're honest, I would feed you and fuck you and pay the bills while you squinted over some novel that nobody was going to read or publish, but I paid you to write them, didn't I? I picked up the check for your dreams and I said goodbye to mine and not even that was enough. Don't lie to me, honey. I wasn't real. If I was real, you never would have walked out that door, but I wasn't. And you did. And now this little one, she won't be real either. Oh, she's kicking. She's hungry. She must be an eater like her dad. And then this last line really got me. She says, if she is my love, if she eats me from the inside and I burst like a blister, will you lose? your mind like your yeah. mother <laughs> i was like damn this lady's got some bent up frustrations for sure but yeah yes. that was oh my gosh those are like i was almost like wait are you really like you wouldn't really say that to me even if you felt that way would you and uh and i like steve's too because i think at this point we weren't we weren't sure what was going on like you may have had thoughts but Mm-hmm. With the other pe- uh, with the other uh, siblings, you knew they were dreaming, obviously. Right. Um, so it was kind of interesting to see this kick off with Steve. So my number five is just Steve's vision. I like it. Well, that was my number four, and I said what I wanted to um, over that one. So that that was really good. That was just one of my favorites nice. for sure. So we'll jump into my number four then, if you're ready. So my yes. number four, falling in the line of the siblings, I'm going to go with Shirley's vision. Okay. So, oh, yes. What another one of my favorites. So what we learned, so we had talked about this before. There's some guy, some handsome looking dude raising a glass randomly mm. throughout the throughout whenever Shirley's probably I don't know if it's when she's feeling guilty or or what. I think but, so. Yeah. I think it is. When she's feeling that guilt, that's when she sees him. Yeah, cuz yeah. she catches when she catches her husband and uh, Theo in the closet, that's the first thing she sees is him. Mm-hmm. And we had talked about I was like, well maybe she went to some kind of convention. You and, called it. You know. You get credit for that, yeah, Sean. Yeah, they kind of like are eyeing each you. other. 
And yeah. that's what we find out. And again, love that they played this as like it was replaying this moment. And we see her, you know, he buys her a drink. And the the thing is, too, both are married. So both are in like 100% in the wrong. Yep. So, you know, he eyes her, gets her a drink. And, you know, she could have let it go. She like points to her ring and that could have been the end of it. But no, mm-hmm. she buys him an appetizer, a big old appetizer that nobody ever orders off the menu and sends it his way. And it was really cool, I think, how they did this because I think it played on her guilt a lot where they play through the whole thing. It's the very ending of the night. And, you know, he says something about her coming up to the room and she cuts him off, right? And Mm -hmm. sees the ring and he walks away. And that's the end, what you think is the end of the thing. She's like, oh, maybe she didn't do what we thought she did. But he comes back and replays everything. Is like, there's something about whenever characters that are in a historical event come back and like almost do commentary on it that yeah. I love. I, you see it every now and then, but you know, he comes back into frame and starts talking about it. like, but that's not what happened, is it? Yes. And basically talking like, you know, he's in her head and knows exactly what she was thinking. It's like, once you saw that ring, that's what sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. You went back up to my room. We had that nightcap and you didn't tell anybody essentially. And, he, and oh, the, the cuts are so deep here too. Cause it's, he's yes. talking about like, you know, what were your kids? Like, you know, so-and-so was like three. What was the other one? Like one or two, not even out of diapers yet. And just like the 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 cuts there and, and the, the you know, the guilt that she had been feeling for so long over this, mm-hmm. just all on Front Street here. Um, and so I don't know if, if, trying to think back with Steve too, if this was supposed to be kind of like their worst nightmares or not, but um, definitely, definitely was really good imagery again here with Shirley. Oh my gosh, I loved it. And I'm glad that we got, and like I said, I'm totally giving you credit for that one because you called it um, as far as the situation and who this guy was. Why did we keep see, seeing him throughout the series when when he did appear in front of Shirley? I'm really glad we got that story because it definitely gave us more backstory about Shirley and uh, kind of what her problems are. I mean, we saw some of it come from childhood, but we saw what all of this was going on. Uh, through adulthood and what her ghosts were and what she had to be guilty about. Everybody had a thing here, right? Um, But yeah, I'm so with you. I loved that when it was like he was, you know, they had this friendly, um, you know, completely platonic conversation, you know, at the bar, call it a night. And you had to know that's not what happened. And you're exactly right. I loved it when he came back and he goes, it's not what you said, though. You looked at my ring and then I said the thing about the carnivorous biped and you said, let's see what kind of martini or what kind of martini it makes. We walked out of the bar, across the lobby, into the elevator, and you had that martini, didn't you? Harold was Jade then six, and Allie was two. Um, it had been diapers and bills for years, and you had just bought the business, and it was in the red, and life was loud. Um, it was hungry, too. Oh, such a... Uh, I'm, I'm digging this writing, and it was just beautifully done. James Lafferty really played this tiny little part so yeah. well. Um, and I love that. I got a kick out of that too. Um, just like you did. Loved it. But yeah, that's my number four. So one theory we had looks to be true. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if we talk about it, there's another theory that you had that I believe has come true. But for my number four <laughs> is just Shirley's vision. I liked it. Um, and I'm, I'm glad we got a little bit more James Lafferty on, on our screen mm. instead of just the little raising the glass with the little nod. Yeah, I got oh. some commentary from him too. So he that's did. good. I think I read that he's friends with Mike Flanagan, who is oh, okay. the director and, and, and was show running the show or co-show running, I believe, um, and did a lot of helped with a lot of the writing and stuff, too. So um, I, th- I thought that was kind of cool. So, yeah, if you're a One Tree Hill fan, 
Gotta love James Lafferty. Good number four. Well, my number three, it's going to just kind of be short and sweet, but we keep having this theme, and boy, did it really uh, kind of scream aloud in the finale here. And that's just this constant eating metaphor. Um, we keep hearing how a house is, is like a, a body or a person and how it's alive. And it has, um, you know, a brain and a heart and eyes um, and bones. And so the, the theme of this house being alive, and to me, it's, it's like it fed on the residents. And I think very much in the cases of Olivia and Theo, at least while they had their time there, because I, I feel like that because they were blessed with these gifts that the house really kind of fed off of them and that energy. And I think that that is one reason why maybe it was chosen for Olivia to stay there and also to get her children to stay there. And of course, that's when, of course, Poppy comes in the picture and, you know, basically, in my opinion, drives Olivia mad, um, you know, to get her to do what she did. And um, so I, I really like that whole eating metaphor. We heard Nell, you know, talk about it uh, later in the Red Room. And she's talking to her siblings and she's talking about that being the stomach of the home. You hear it in many of the monologues when they're having their dreams. You hear it in when Lee is talking to to Steve about um, you're an eater um, and your baby's an eater uh, like her dad. You hear, um, oh, it in, I don't know this bar guy's name. Um, I'm calling him Bar Guy. It's what I had in my notes. I don't notes. think he had a name, actually. Did I don't he? think he. I don't think he did. Um, but she like, says, Shh, "No names." Yeah, we don't need names. Um, well, and really, you don't. I mean, they were kind of right. You know, yeah. if they both have just as much to lose, uh, why why get too personal about it? But oh, he says life was um, hungry. So just a lot of uh, of references to eating and hungry and consuming. Um, and I think it was just really fitting because I think it's fitting for this house and how this house operates. I don't know that I fully understand after watching the finale a couple times and after having watched the series how this house really operates or have the full understanding. But I think it's definitely true to to think of it as it consuming the people mm. that, that live there or visit there. So I really like that. And we definitely got it kind of screaming in our face. Yeah. <laughs> during well, the I think finale. it's interesting because like a lot of times whenever you think of like the life force of things, you think of the heart, like the heart is the, the beating drum mm-hmm. of these life forces, but like, no, the, the red room is the stomach. Yeah. And like, you don't think of anything romantic with a stomach. A, a stomach is there just for necessity of right. consuming energy. That's all it's there for. It's nothing more than, breaking down of things into waste. Like right. it just, and it, it's just a gross, very like, not, like I said, not romantic thing and eating and stuff like that. Like you don't think of eating romantically. Like, I mean, I know like a lot of people are like, Hey, I want to whip out the whipped cream on the martini. No, that's not romantic. <laughs> like it's gross and it's sticky and it's not fun, you know, but, but have you tried it? No, <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what you see here. Like you, you used to mention that is just, it, it kind of gave it a gritty kind of, unsettling gross feel to me anyway i i do see that and i'll agree to a point however i'm gonna tell you what i there is nothing that will get <laughs> to me more there's nothing better than whipped cream <laughs> <laughs> no no that's not what i was gonna say um more like you know if 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 so if you want a way to my heart uh get me a margarita and mozzarella sticks and 
you have found the key to my heart. Feed me and give me some alcohol and I'm yours. So <laughs> now you guys know the secret. Um, I've let the cat out of the bag to what it is. But um, that part, at least as far as stomach and food, is to me romantic. Just a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Anyway. A good combo platter <laughs> of like potato skins, mozzarella stickers, sticks, chicken fingers. Like, oof, that's living. I just had that, by the way. So we're on this. We we got that same junk food. Yeah, I'm um, still trying to cut some weight. So like, I'm just craving food left and right. I know it's terrible. Well, see, it's the holidays, and you know, I've already been kind of terrible with the the you know holiday leftovers because you just have so much darn yeah. food in the house. So I've been trying to you know stay away from most of it. But then my kid is also visiting, and she we're just not good influences on each other when it comes to food. So we literally just went and grabbed some like, Ooh, mozzarella sticks sound really good. Right. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, between my wife, me and the kid, like the kids like, I want pizza. I'm like, you know what? I do too. Let's order some. I made some meatballs over the holiday season, like homemade meatballs. Oh my God. They were delicious. Aren't they amazing? Secret ingredient with your barbecue sauce. A little bit of a jalapeno jelly. Yes. Actually was really good. That is really good. But see, that's not too terrible. That's protein. That's true. Meatballs are protein. That's and true. that's what you got to, you got that protein because you're trying to pump up. That's right. But I put it on my mom's, like six of my mom's homemade rolls, which are nothing but yeast oh. and oh. flour. Well, then, yeah, carbs. So <laughs> that, that wasn't good. But if you just been down in some meatballs, uh, you could, you can like get rid of that, that sugar and that cancels, you know, that we'll just say that protein cancels some of that out. But you had to go add the bread. Sorry. That's okay. We're all doing it. I had well, way too much stuffing. So. New Year's coming around, so New Year, new me, right? That's right. I, I don't <laughs> like New Year's resolutions. I really don't. I don't do resolutions, but it is not a resolution. But just once the holidays are over, I can be like, okay, no more junk food. Get all the food out of the house um, and get back on track. Yeah. I got I to gotta lose that probably five pounds I've gained since the holidays. Anyway, totally getting sidetracked. That was my short and sweet number three. What is your number three? I like it. So going on my themes, let's go with the next uh, kiddo in this uh, group of family, Theo's vision. Mm-hmm. So Theo's was a little, I think a little of the group's probably the smallest because she ends up being with her significant other. Yeah. Um, pretty hot scene, I would say. Uh, <laughs> um, it was. It was very hot. I mean, you know, not going to bury the lead, but, you know. <laughs> I gotcha. No <laughs> words, dude. No words. <laughs> but unfortunately, like they had to ruin my my buzz because you know all of a sudden when you when it's getting into like Skinamax mode, mm-hmm. all these hands start coming out and pull her out of it. Yeah, that but, was icky. But Theo again, like she's got a lot of anger issues and things like that. Uh, but she seems, I, I kind of feel like she's the strongest one out of the group, though. Yeah. Like she, even though she has like she she has to wear the glove, she has commitment issues. It seems she's still the strongest of the group in mm-hmm. understanding kind of what's going on, right. and I think you kind of see that here when she pops out. So it, it's definitely very short and sweet, I guess. I don't know if you have much more insight on her kind of scenario, um, but well, hers was kind of short and sweet, and I and you're right because as far as how damaged all the kids were. Uh, out of everything that happened, whether it was from childhood trauma or just things that they had done throughout life that caused them guilt, like with Shirley, um, she still had her own guilt. And I I did find it impactful because I really like um, 
the actress that plays her. And I really liked her girlfriend, Trish. I'm glad we got to see Trish again. Um, I think that she, I loved her monologue that she had when she's telling the story of Mr. Hill. Um, I probably have that. She says, she tells Theo, fear and guilt are sisters. I knew a man once who knew those sisters well. They kissed his eyelids as he slept. And every morning he went just a little more mad. So he built a wall to keep it all outside. But those two sisters, they were in there with him, even there. That silly man thought his wall would keep them out. There was just enough room for him and them. So he was trapped behind that wall, afraid and guilty. And his voice left him and he scratched and whimpered. And his fingers were shredded on his own bricks until his scratches just sounded like rats in a wall. He felt small, so small, but that was his dream. And when he woke up, he was tall, so tall Mm. for always. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, the tall man with yeah. the bowler hat, William Hill, um, um, was so good." Was, I love all those monologues. But Theo's dream sequence, I think, like you said, definitely does revolve around her intimacy issues because she is in bed with Trish, and she can't feel anything. Right, so her gloves are off; she can't feel anything, and that's like what happened when she touched Nell. You know, she talked in um, goodness, it was it episode eight. Um, when she said that she couldn't feel anything. And I think that that really scared her, um, just feeling nothing. And then, of course, Trish goes into her story about William Hill being driven insane by fear and guilt. Um, So I think that that is kind of where Theo was a little bit. And I think hers had to do with her childhood guilt over what she did to her mother's greenhouse, Um, throwing the stone. And I'm sure that was what triggered her mother uh, with the the crashing of the glass on the floor, and that's what triggered her from her father's death when it rained mm. stones. Um, and then that was, she said, when her mother first hit her, the first and last, because that was all she could take. Um, or I guess when she spanked her. I mean, it's hitting, yes, but spanked her. Um, so I think that was her confronting that and also that fear of not feeling anything. Um so I, I like that one too. All of these dream sequences I thought were really great in their own way. I agree. But yeah, that's my number three, kind of short and sweet, but Theo's vision. Like Theo's vision. Like Theo. She's a hot woman. Yeah, she is. Um, she's, Wait, that's out loud. <laughs> nope. But you know what? You can edit that out. That's the power, <laughs> power of the edit button, dude. That was Captain Morgan talking. That's right. <laughs> Got a little Captain in it, <laughs> I really like um, that because that really flows well into my number two. That's why I had notes on that one because that's um, the crane confrontations um, in which each of the siblings get their dream where they confront something that they feel guilty about. Steve, it was not wanting to have a child. Theo, it's her childhood crime. Shirley, it's that moment in her past, which explains why she's been behaving kind of batshit over the last few episodes. I guess when she, like you mentioned, caught Theo and her husband, Kevin in the closet, that really just, you know, has, has brought her over. I mean, there's been a lot that's happened clearly, but that just kind of really sent her over and has made her confront her own guilt over what she did. Really funny to kind of see Shirley all self-righteous about that, right? When, you know, she did the same thing. That's kind of the thing you see in those situations where, you know, like whenever somebody like confronts somebody about something, it's like, did you do such and such? And they get real defensive about it. It's yeah. kind of like, wait, why are you getting so defensive about this? What are you hiding? Exactly. And that's kind of what she was doing there, which it's, 
It's exactly. And when you when you know now the story of what happened, it totally makes sense why she behaved. I mean, yeah, I mean, she probably, you know, would have been upset, but she really, really kind of took it, I thought, to the edge when she's not even willing to talk to either one of them or, or, or hear them out. You know, that is kind of going way beyond. So it should have probably been a pretty good indication to, to us that she might be guilty of something herself. Yeah. Um, so, so we get sure. Sorry, go ahead. I was just, since we're kind of still on Shirley. So, I mean, it's a little mm-hmm. bit ahead, but when kind of at the conclusion of this, when she's talking with her husband and she basically is, you know, telling him about what happened, I thought that was a really well done scene mm-hmm. because it was a situation where, you know, her husband kind of says something along the lines like, you're scaring me. But the the part that I thought was like really subtle, really great was I think they were just holding one hand together and she starts going into like, you know, a couple years back when I went to that conference, like, you know, like, you know, people aren't dumb. It's like something triggered. He probably knew something had happened mm-hmm. and you kind of see him put his other hand on her and he didn't squeeze it tight or anything, but he kind of like, okay, like we've got something we've got to work through now. Yeah. And this is going to be extremely painful for both of us. So I thought that was a really well done, like real moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was just kind of something interesting to kind of toss in there. But I agree. It, I think it was. I mean, it felt real. You know, um, yeah. that moment that they had when she finally decides to tell him, you know, what what she had done. Um, so yeah, they a lot of beautiful moments in this finale for sure, and that being one of them. Um, so yeah, Shirley and then Luke and and Luke for, uh, for him it was confronting his failure to rescue Joey and his guilt over that. And I think that Hill House for for me anyway, at least what I feel that we we've gotten out of this so far is that yes, it's haunted, but it's not just haunted to me, it's sentient. Like it's aware. And it's like it's awake and knows what's happening and it it's enough to pacify the kids like it becomes their room of requirement when they're young and then it shows them these visions when they're older and i think it's enough to like at least when they're children it's like it kind of keeps them there it's the things that they need it's the things to to keep them there um but the house is also aware because it's able to show them and make them confront what it is that they are guilty of and we talked about steve's um his imaginary scene of domestic bliss with him and Lee together. Um, We talked about Shirley and her, you know, funeral convention flirting. What a place to flirt, right? Hey, that must be a real sexy convention. Um, I mean, a funeral convention. I don't know. That doesn't, but I mean, I guess if, if, I don't know, if I had an undertaker that looked like uh, James Lafferty, I would die every day. Yeah. Just so I can be embalmed by him. I'm trying to think of a good joke, but there's nothing that really. <laughs> there's, yeah. Trying to find something funny. There's almost always something funny that goes along with death. I'll think of something here in a little bit. It's like, um, hey, a lot of stiff things around here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I knew you would get something. <laughs> I knew you. I was waiting for it. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Um, talked about Shirley and her, her self-righteousness, um, you know, and, and how she's so damn uptight and her exterior, which masks her flaws, just like the rest of her siblings. Um, we got Theo's dream sequence that we talked about. Then Luke, 
uh, Luke, who imagines that he's in a hotel room with Joey, who apparently just never magically disappeared. Um, She was right there the whole time, and she offers him drugs, and... um, and it was kind of sad. I thought, my God, he did not willingly put that needle in his yeah. arm. He said no. And I thought, God, just knock that poor kid. I mean, he he was so proud. He said, "I'm." he's like, no, no, I'm 90 days. He's like 92, actually. And he did not voluntarily put that uh, needle in his arm. And I was just devastated for for Luke. And what I thought was also interesting is Nell's coming in. And God love her, Nell. I mean, it just broke my... This whole... Probably like this whole 20 minutes of this uh, finale, just I just couldn't stop like crying. Um, it was so beautiful, Nell coming to like bop her siblings on the head or whatever to, to bring them out and bring them back. But Luke, I feel like kind of rescues himself because he actually does succumb to that overdose. Um, and he wakes up at the tea party. And of course, we know waking up is like the equivalent to dying. And, um, and it seems, of course... I mean, this looks like, like when Olivia's like, but this is a gift, you know, we're, we're together and this is what we've been waiting for. And I know that you want to be here because we've been hearing you trying to get through the door all of these years, but little Nell there is trying to convince him otherwise. She keeps telling him, did you notice that she was telling him don't and go? Yeah. Um, like she did before when she appeared at his bed, uh, when she was older and dead. Um, I thought it was nice to kind of a nice little call back to that when she just kept saying, go, don't. Um, and then of course, again, with like the reference to eating where they're saying that it's being fed to the outside world is better than being fed to Hill House because that's what's real and it's life. Um, and that's better than, than being stuck in this dream or being awake in Hill House. So I really liked all of that. I just want to talk about all of the confrontations and what exactly that they were confronting. And I thought thought they were all really well done. And I loved all the monologues. I loved the writing. I thought it was great. That was my number two. I just I like kind of went right, right into you from yours. Yeah. I mean, my number two really is just kind of finalizing my my sibling visions as Luke's visions. Mm-hmm. And you kind of talked a little bit about it. But again, it's just you, you see this guy who's gone through so much just – emotional and physical just i mean this of the of the family members i feel like he's the one you have to feel the most sorry for mm-hmm. and he gets 90 days sober his twin sister dies and you see him come back and his dream is the person i think that helped him get sober and he's in right. a hotel room with her and she's like hey let's just get well one more time yeah and you know, you go from that where he's like no i don't want to do it it's like well you already did and he gets to see that in his arm and not not only is that like the worst thing ever that he gets to see, but then now all of a sudden he's in a room with his mother, his twin sister, and Abigail in a moment where like your mom's welcoming you home and telling you to wake up, which is death. And it's, I mean, just the, this guy's mind at this moment just has to be going bonkers to uh, yeah, it's just it's a lot to take. And then that visual of his friend Joey and her melting freaking eyeballs. Oh, yeah. Ugh. She talks about the soldier where she's like, oh, I, I see what he understands by the, the wallpaper. Yes. Uh, they had some really good visuals in this finale. One with Lee with the baby um, basically eating her from the inside out and her just that color coming uh, through her. And then the the melting eyeballs <laughs> was yeah. like, oh, Okay, there's some disturbing things here. Um, that was really good, though. 
Yeah, I, I feel I'm, I'm kind of torn between who really had it worse in this series, Luke or Nell. I mean, those twins just, I guess it's because they were the youngest. I Because when you're younger, you believe more in magic, you're more susceptible to certain things, you're more innocent, whereas like Shirley and uh, Steve were older. So you know how when you get older, you kind of stop believing in certain things and you kind of, you know, just kind of get past that into, you know, out of childhood and kind of going into young adulthood. Theo was kind of well on her way just a little bit too. She was kind of, I feel like on that fence just a little bit, um, a little young, but also crossing over where Theo or where uh, Shirley and Steve were. Um, But the twins, you know, like, Olivia said in a previous episode, you know, they still need their mom or maybe I, someone said that, um, but they still need their mom and, you know, the older kids don't really need their mom much anymore, but the twins still do. Um, so I feel like that those two really got put through the ringer. It's, I feel like it's net, I don't want to say neck and neck with the neck lady thing. Um, as, as far as which one had it worse, but they both had it pretty, pretty terrible. Um, my heart broke for Nell in this too. She had some great, great words. Yeah, I, I mean, liked you it. Think about it. Nell was the one that really saved them all too. Like it wasn't the mother; it was Nell. I, I know. Um, yeah, Nell coming to save her siblings and pull them out because she didn't want them to be stuck there. She wanted them to live. She when she's like telling Luke, you know, as he's fighting for his life on the floor, and she's like, "You have to live um, because that's that's so much better for you than being here." Um, and I think that was kind of the whole whole point of the the whole thing. So um, I love that. Um, that was good number two, which leads us to our number ones. I can't believe we're here already. Um, so my number one is just silence lay steadily. And I'm going to talk about the ending here and the series as a whole. Um, doing some reading, getting some opinions on what people thought about the ending. I heard, I think a lot more people that loved the ending than, than others that, that didn't, but I don't know when I was watching it, it just felt like there was no other way to end it. To me, it felt right. Um, and a lot of people had their own issues with it, but while there was some horror, I mean, for sure, you cannot deny the scary parts in the horror, you know, that, that, I mean, yes, the house was haunted. There were scary moments. There were ghosts and things that happened, but I feel like at its core and what we've talked about all throughout, uh, you know, as talking about the series is it at its heart, this is a, about a family drama. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a family in the drama and the, the traumas that it's went through and what they've had to go through. Um, it, and I felt like it's always about them being able to defeat and overcome that horror in both physical and metaphorical ways. Um, talk a little bit about the Dudleys. Um, the Dudleys I thought were interesting and where they were coming from. I felt like they learned a little bit about them. I feel like they were a lot more emotionally damaged than what we were first led to believe. Um, and that they were so afraid of the real world. They sheltered their own daughter from it. Um, but I think that that's been the theme since the beginning is like living your life versus dying. And when, Olivia and Hugh are outside the red room talking and she's like, you know, 
they're dying out there. And he's like, they're dying in there. And that's not what we want for them. We want for them to live. And that's what we have to do as parents is we have to bear witness to that. Um, No matter what they go through, no matter whatever suffering that they go through, no matter what they go through in life, we have to bear witness to it. That's part of being a parent. We can't shelter them, which is essentially what Olivia is wanting to do. That's what she was wanting to do by trying to draw them all to the house. And she succeeded with Nell. She was able to draw Nell and keep Mm. her there. And that's essentially what she was trying to do with all the children and her family was she felt it, she was protecting them. Of course, that's where she was driven mad um, and thought that they, you know, would be free from all of that. When really, that's not really what you want as a parent, you want them to live and, to me, that was the whole whole theme of it. And and I know that a lot of people had issues with, they didn't like that it ended on a happy ending, but I thought, it was, I don't know. I see, yes, some of it was happy, but was it really happy? I was happy? very conflicted because, so my number one's the house. So it really ties into okay. a lot of this. And so you have a situation where, you know, the, I mean, you can really say the mother was the one drawing them into this place. Mm-hmm. She was calling them back home to an extent because she wanted each of them to come back to the house. Mm-hmm. And I think Poppy, I, we, we talked earlier, like Poppy was maybe the big bad, but I don't think she was. I think she was just somebody's like, oh, hey, Liv, you want all your kids back here and to live in this house with us? I'll help, you know, whatever. Like, I'm mm-hmm. crazy, but, you know, this <laughs> seems like fun. But the mom was trying to get all the kids back so that they would either commit suicide or somehow die in the house so they could all be together, mm-hmm. which in some ways is kind of romantic to an extent. It's like, hey, you know, I want our family to be together forever. Mm-hmm. But I don't want my kid to follow me somewhere and then kill themselves, which will happen with Nell. Right. And what happened to Hugh. Hugh killed himself to be there. Hugh actually made the biggest sacrifice. Yeah. Because he made a deal with her to say, hey, let all the other kids go and I will stay here forever with you. Right. So to some extent, like that's kind of morbid and creepy. Like it's not a happy note to me. No, because he lost, he sacrificed himself. I mean, he did it for his children, but he lost the opportunity to reconnect with his kids. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like that this could have been an opportunity for him to, you know, get get that connection back with his children and, and be able to to have that relationship that they had when they were young and when he was young and he missed out on that. That to me is not happy. You know, um, they lost their mother. That's not happy. They lost their sister. Um, and even though they're trying to, some people argue that, well, now they're making Hill house out to be a happy place when we've been led to believe that it's evil and it's haunted and it's sinister and all of these things. But I'm like, well, I see that we've been exposed to a different side of Hill House, but yes, to me, the house is still sinister. That house, or whether you want to say it was Poppy or it was something in the house, because I think there is something in that house. I mean, that red room is fucked up. I mean, there's some type of energy. I I can't explain it. I have zero explanation um, or theories about the house as far as what it really is or its purpose or the origin or anything like that, but... It's the house to me still doesn't seem like a. I mean, it's it's killing people before their time. It killed Nell. It killed Olivia before their time. It, it pushed them the there. First child. Yeah, it took it took yeah their their baby stillborn baby. Um, 
it, it took many lives to, in, in my opinion. And it was before their time. It wasn't like there were probably some, I feel like the, uh, the I'm just going to keep calling her the grandma ghost, you know, uh, I'm guessing she probably just died in the house, but she seemed to have lived a long life. She was old and just died there, but it seems like most, uh, died before their time. So to me, that does not make a good house or a good place to be. The ghosts are just kind of there like, well, we're stuck here. We died here, but they're not evil. The ghosts themselves, I don't think are evil. Poppy is bananas. Um, how evil is she? Yes. Am I right? That's right. Love when love that song. But I think that it, it, I mean, I think we saw another side to it. And, I, and to me, it was bittersweet because the family repaired itself. The, the kids moved on, but the house still devoured half the family and, yeah. and the Dudleys. Um, it took Abigail. It took their newborn baby. It might have been a nice ending when uh, Clara Dudley, you know, she was old. And Mr. Dudley, wasn't that just a beautiful scene in its that own was, way? Yeah, that was the only thing where it kind of made me like, well, maybe this house isn't too bad. Because, I mean, again, you think about it, like the Dudley scenario, besides their kids dying mm-hmm. sooner than they should have. But, like, uh, Hugh was like, I'm going to burn this fucking place down. Right. After he found, because again, we find out that Abigail is the Dudley's kid. And he's like, yeah, you know, confirmation. This this is an evil house. I want to burn it down. They're like, no, you can't because this, I can have my child here. Like, my child's gone, but they're here still. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that moment when he was running through the woods and took her in there, like, I, I kind of had that, like, oh shit. Like, I think I said, oh shit out loud. Yeah. You know, like, I know, maybe it was like, are you serious? But like, tears started drawing because that was the kind of moment that, that seemed the most emotional because it was, mm-hmm. that was more of a sacrifice of, you know, I'm going to make sure my wife passes away in this house so she can be with her kids for eternity. Right. Yeah. I, I, I do see the people's point who who didn't like the ending as far as well now you've just made it out to be this happy place where you can just spend eternity with your family you know Hugh gets to be with Olivia uh, Clara and her husband I'm guessing he's probably going to die there too I'm um, get to be with their children for eternity but I mean I, to me that's what was really scary is that this the the show actually sells you kind of on the idea that the house is a happy ending because I don't think it is at all. I mean, I don't think what I mean. It, it shows how you can kind of overcome. Like I said, the kids overcame all of the trauma of losing their parents, their sister. They were able to confront their guilt and 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 move on. And that's kind of what it's about. That's what you have to do in life, right? I mean, that's what it's about. Um, and the house to me is kind of like it's an island where. It's like, oh my God, we're shipwrecked, but I'm with my family on an island and we can survive. Mm-hmm. Okay, like that sucks. That's not great, but at least we're together. That's really what the house feels like. It's like, okay, well, we're stuck here, but at least we're stuck here together. Right. Yeah, I, to me, it was the way that it needed to end. There were some people that wanted it to end right when Steve walked out after he uh, kind of gave his last look at at the house and then walked out the doors. They wanted it to end there. They didn't want it to be the continuous little vignettes of, you know, we got to see Luke celebrating his two year sobriety. Um, you saw all of them together. You saw Theo and Trish together and she's moving out. She's throwing her gloves away. Um, you see Shirley having that conversation with Kevin talking, you know, talking to him about what she did and confessing. Um, so you see all of that happening Um, And people thought, oh, well, we didn't need that. We didn't need that. 
this happy stuff and making a happy ending. To me, it was, it was bittersweet. It wasn't a true happy ending. That was just my take on it. Um, anyway, and I thought it was a great twist. Um, especially the, the twist with Hugh when he goes out of the house and I thought that was great. I'm like, what is he looking at when they were carrying Luke out of the red room and he stops and looks, um, and we don't see what he's looking at, but it was after that conversation that Olivia and, and Hugh had, and then out outside, he goes, thanks for not telling your sisters. And he's like, and Steve's like, I don't even know what I would have told them because I don't even really know what I saw. What the hell did I see? And then he, he learns, we, we, we did finally get to see what happened. The, the, rest of that night we learned it from olivia's perspective and what she experienced that night and in the days leading up to it and how she was driven mad it made me so sad though to realize that when she died she retained that mental status yeah she was still kind of shit balls um i shouldn't say that that's that's not nice but um she was still i think in her madness it's like she was stuck in this madness uh state that she was in when she died. And I hated that. I wanted her to be the Olivia that we knew before the house made, because it's my opinion that the house made her that way. I think she was vulnerable to it in, in, in a way that she was susceptible that the house, she was a, a target for the house. But I think that, um, if it hadn't been for the house and they had never been there, she would have continued to, to live out a normal um, existence. Um, so it, it broke my heart to see that she was kind of stuck there. Um, in, in that, but I liked when we got to see when Hugh comes back to the house and he finds Olivia confronts the Dudleys, we find out the secret, um, that they've decided to carry on the secret. I'm not sure how I felt about that. I thought, are Uh, they so like twisted in their own way that I guess it would be more of a situation of if, if you, if, because like if your kid died and you'd be like, I want to prosecute, like, you know, Mm -hmm. we got to get the law here. But if in that moment it's like, hey, mom, dad, like I'm in this house and this is where I'm going to be forever, you're like, okay, well, if we get the authorities involved, somebody else is going to own this house mm-hmm. and then we're going to lose potentially the the opportunity to see our kid every day. Yeah. And so that to me that's the only way I could kind of justify it is that would have been the, the mindset there is like, hey, Hugh, you have to keep this house in the family so we can at least be with our, our kid for the rest of eternity. Right. They just seemed a little too okay with it. Like they had already sheltered her from the world that it's like, it's okay. We'll be the only ones that mourn her. She never left the house. We're just going to bury her by the cottage that she loved out (laughs) in the woods. It just was like, that side of me was completely horrified, but it did touch my heart as a parent um, for them to be like, well, we, no, this is my daughter. I'm not leaving her because I feel like, well, I would be, I think I would probably in, in that part of their story and in that whole scene that happened, I could see that I'm like, well, where my kid is, I'm at, you know, I totally see that. So, but it was just kind of like, we're going to keep your secret. We're not going to tell anyone. We're going to preserve the, the memory of your wife. So no one has to know. They'll just think of this as a tragic accident that she, you know, fell and, and, or that she committed suicide, but you know, we're not going to tell people that she killed a child. Um, we'll preserve the memory for your children. And all you need to do is just keep the house and not allow it to consume anyone else. And that was another little eating metaphor talking about the house, how it consumes people um, for itself and feeds off of them and their energy. Um, 
as long as they get to stay on and, and be with their daughter. So that was, I wasn't quite sure how to take it. Um, it was just a little strange for me and off putting, but it's like, well, at least now we at least know the story and kind of what happened. And, you know, this, the, the promise that, that Hugh kept, um, all of those years and keeping the house. Cause I did think for a long time, like, why didn't he just get rid of the damn house? Yeah. I, well, mean, I mean, I, my thought was like, what Luke tried to do was to burn the damn thing down. Right. It's like, yeah, why, why did he keep it? Maybe he couldn't because if they weren't able to flip it and then it sounds like it already had a little bit of a history of it being haunted. That's what that sheriff asked him when they discovered William Hill in the basement. He's like, so is it true? Is the house really haunted? So it sounds like the the house already has its own little history, even prior to the cranes moving in. Um, but probably even more so because what the tabloids were all over the story, Olivia mm. killed herself. The house is haunted. All of these crazy stories. He probably couldn't have sold the house had he wanted to. Um, so I don't know, but at least it kind of pieced it all together and, and put it together. And I was satisfied with it myself. Um, I don't know. Did do you have any thoughts about that? Did you think it was wrapped up good? Uh, did you, what did you think? What are your thoughts? I mean, you kind of touched on a lot of the points. I, I felt like this was kind of one of those movies where like you definitely had a really good build up and a really good kind of like push in a direction. It just kind of ended. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know. We we didn't really get any reason of why the house is the way it is, or if mm-hmm. it is, is it is it anything? Is it just you know so many people have died there for so long that it's just kind of built this cache of people, right? Because you know when Steve kind of leaves after uh, going back and saying goodbye to us to Hugh, you know all the ghosts kind of follow him to the door like, "Don't go, <laughs> we're so lonely, we're lonely here." Yeah, we're so cold when you're dead. <laughs> <Like> uh, <laughs> They didn't seem menacing. The only ghosts no, that seem yeah. menacing or if, that you would really fear are Poppy because she was crazy. Um, and maybe the basement ghost that attacked Luke and the dumbwaiter because yeah. it did grab him and tore his shirt. I don't know what would have happened if they hadn't got to him when they did, but that one did kind of attack him. But all the other ghosts just seemed to be there. They just, yeah. even the bowler hat guy, he was so super creepy and in this episode was he i yeah. i got the heebie-jeebies what was the deal with so that's the i guess kind of the thing with like the questions that are out there's like why did his dad's like look at me steve it's like why, why can't i look at this dude <laughs> the is only he gonna thing, like ask me a bunch of questions and be like hey what uh what is your favorite series? color yeah <laughs> who won the world series in 1920 who won I'm the kidding. world series in 21 i had a bet 22? on that game can you tell me who won <laughs> um I I don't really have a good explanation for it. The only thing that I can think of is that like Hugh is totally cued into this house and these ghosts and he knows exactly how they work. It's like he was telling Steve, he's like, it is so dangerous for you to be here because you don't even know or understand this house at all and you just don't believe in it at all. So it's you, it's dangerous for you to go mm. in there. I feel like Hugh is Which, completely keyed in and it's, I guess he knew how bowler man, bowler hat man worked and that's how? why he's having him. I don't know. Because he, because the, the gist I got is he didn't go back to the house at all. So like he he hasn't like because he seemed like he had a lot of knowledge about this house, but he had never been like back since the events. Yeah, I don't know. I don't guess he has been back um, to the house. That's what I kind of from what Olivia was telling him. Like, where have you been all this time? What have you been doing? And like, Poppy how much was time curious has passed? too. I think Poppy had the hots for him. Poppy was a lonely girl. Yeah, that's my note here. 
Because mm-hmm. Olivia kind of came out and she's like, wow. It was interesting to see how much control Olivia had over Poppy when it yeah. seemed the other way around that Poppy was the one that manipulated, you know, Olivia. And then she comes out and she's like, you know, away. And that's like yeah. all she has to say. And Poppy's like going away. She's like, it's tough when your bed's cold. Poppy's been a lonely girl for a long yeah. time. I mean, I guess if anything from the show what we can take is that, you know, you can still get busy in the afterlife, right? At least that's the way Poppy's making it sound. I guess. I mean, let's hope. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, if 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 we got to be dead, can we at least have a couple perks, please? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good point is that like Poppy wasn't like the orchestrator of all this. She was just kind of working alongside of Olivia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious about those two for sure. Um, But I don't know. That's what makes me think that it's not the ghosts that were bad. I think the house is bad. I think the house can make you bad and make you do things. I think Poppy also being there makes you do things. But the other ghosts just seem to be pretty harmless. I mean, you had the the clock guy. The guy just wanted to clean the clock. And and take care of the clock. The bowler hat guy just wanted he just wanted his hat. He scared the hell out of Luke, but he just wanted his hat back. Yeah. And the guy in the basement, maybe he just wanted that scotch that they were throwing out. Maybe. Maybe he just really liked those pajamas that, that oh, Luke yeah. had on. Because you know he he ripped the pajamas. I don't know. Maybe it reminded him of his own pajamas. That was pretty creepy. I will never forget that. Crawling out from behind <laughs> those barrels will haunt me for the rest of my yeah. life. I can tell I, you that. It is interesting that as this as the episodes kind of got further along, it kind of got a little scarier. But like in the last two episodes, the ghosts weren't as scary anymore to me. Anyway, the um, the hidden ghosts were always scary, even though they mm. didn't do anything. I mean, they literally just stood there. They didn't even move. Their hair didn't move. Uh, their their palms didn't twitch, nothing. But they were the scariest damn things I've ever seen in my life. I think to me it's more scary when they don't do anything, when they're just there and just present. Um, it's just, that was enough for me. But I don't know. I And I really liked, I thought it was satisfying how they all got to say their goodbye to Nell. Yeah, um, I did like that. Yeah, I loved how... You know, um, Shirley's like, I'm sorry that I didn't pick up the phone. And she says, but you did so many times. Theo said, I'm so sorry that our last words were in anger. And Nell says, but they weren't because they were conversing at that moment and talking. Um, Steve, um, gosh, what did Steve say when he saw her? Oh, he's sorry that he was sorry that he, he didn't make her listen or he didn't say something to make her listen. She says it wouldn't have mattered if you had, um, and she said, I need you to know that, that it wouldn't have changed anything. Um, she tells Luke he, he, when he's like, I don't know how I can go on without you. And she's like, but you don't have to. I thought her whole description of time not being like dominoes, but it was like oh, rain yeah. falling or snow or like confetti and that it's all around you. And that's what she is in their life. She's like, it's it's pieces. I'm there in your life and I'm sprinkled around like confetti. Uh, I know I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, but I just thought it was so beautiful because anytime you've lost someone that that in your life that's meant a lot to you and you miss that person so much and you always think, are they with me right now, you know, talking to them or are they with me? I think that's such a beautiful way to think of that person or people, if it's been more than one, that that, that they're with you um, always in that way. And I just thought it was so beautiful that she got to be with them and and 
be there in that moment and that she was the one that knocked them out of their dreams and made them aware, brought them together and that they were over that they, that they had that final um, goodbye. I thought was beautiful. And I loved when she told them, she says, I loved you completely and you loved me. The rest is confetti. I just, (laughs) if you weren't crying, I'm just saying (laughs) it was beautiful. I just loved it. I thought it was appropriate. Um, Are you curious? I'll I'll tell you what I read. If you're curious, I don't have this in the news um, because I didn't know if people wanted to hear it. So if you don't want to hear, and you may have already heard what the alternate ending was going to be. Oh, I haven't heard. No, yeah, but I do want to hear. So Mike Flanagan, and I'll, if anybody's interested and you want the story, but you can Google it. Um, So I guess the night before they were supposed to be filming, like I guess everything had been written and ready to go, but they hadn't put it on film yet, if film exists. Um, He had a dream about it and realized that uh, his, that's not what he wanted. So they went with the ending that you see. So here's what they were going to do through all of the vignettes at the end. When we get the two year anniversary of Luke and his sobriety, we get, um, Kevin and Shirley having their talk. We get Theo and, and so when you get all the siblings and all their vignettes, what he wanted was the window from the red room to be in the background Oh, nice. In all of them. So that way you could question, are, are they, did they even leave the did red they room? make it, yeah. Or are they out of the red room and kind of leave it kind of up in the air and not really know exactly what to hap- what happened or, or what believe and kind of leave it up to you to wonder. But he ended up, he's like, no, it has to be a happy ending. This this He calls it a happy ending, I guess, but... It's, I don't think, really a happy ending, but he wanted it to go this way. He's like, the cranes deserve this after mm. everything that they've been through. This is the right way to end it. Um, and that's where he f- felt comfortable putting it. So I have to respect that this is the story that he wanted to tell, but that is what he wanted um, initially to do. What do you yeah, think about I th- that? I think if you put that window in there, it's, it's, that's pretty clear that, that, that they're still in the house if they mm-hmm. did that. And so I kind of feel like this is kind of a, you know, a, a way to be like to have your cake and eat it too. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's a happy ending, but they're still stuck in the house, right? Well, and I think that um, this, I think, was a good way to wrap up the story of the cranes because that's what he says. The crane story, in his opinion, is over. Oh, I agree. Um, so this was, I think, a way to not leave it in the air. Like, oh, are we going to go back and see the cranes? Or we still, you know? And I just thought, you know, th- this family, in my opinion, has been through enough. Mm-hmm. Why leave them there still? So I don't know. So if folks are interested, you can always read about that. That's basically what he said about what the ending was going to be. So anyway, um, I think we've covered. I don't know. That was all my number one. I'm not sure how much more I can talk about the ending that we haven't already talked about. I don't really have any notes because I really got a lot of my notes out other than just a few of the monologues. Same. Um, yeah. I, I know I was going to talk a little bit more like about the poppy scene where she kind of like mm-hmm. gets a little close to Hugh and Liv kind of says, hey, back off my Kool-Aid. What did you think about her little nursery rhyme? Do you know that was a nursery rhyme? Uh-uh. I think it was in the I think it was in the book. I might be wrong, and I'll just say it up front. I don't 100% remember, but I think someone mentioned that this might have been a nursery rhyme that Shirley Jackson either put in the book or maybe was told. Can you imagine? She said the first was young Miss Groton. She tried not to let him in. He stabbed her with a corn knife. That's how his crimes begin. The next was Grandma Groton, so old and tired and gray. 
Um, she bit off her attacker until his strength gave way. The next was Grandpa Groton, a setting by the fire. He came up close behind him and strangled him with wire. The last was Baby Groton, all in his trundle bed. He stove him in the short ribs until that child was dead, and then he spit tobacco juice all on his golden head. Uh, it's a nursery rhyme. Yeah. Can you imagine going to bed after hearing that? Yeah. Sweet dreams. Well, I mean, that's why kids were stronger back in the day, I guess. It's like, hey, I'm going to tell you this nursing rhyme so you get up before the crack of dawn to go work the field. That's right. Well, because you're not going to sleep anyway. You might as well get yep. up and go That's go right. get to work. Go milk them cows. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm thinking, holy hell, um, I'd be, my, my eyeballs would be propped open with toothpicks mm. like in Tom and Jerry. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I loved it, though. So were you happy with it as a series as a whole? Would you recommend it to everyone? And- oh, yeah. I think this is a series to definitely check out. I, I mean, I, I don't think I was super happy with the ending. I mean, it wasn't bad, but um, it definitely kind of – I think sometimes some shows have a tough time sticking the landing, which you, know, you could go a million different ways with a show like this. And um, they chose their direction, which I, I think I'm fine with. So, yeah, I, I, but definitely would suggest to, to watch this show. I agree. I think Netflix really knocked it out of the park with this one. Um, I am super excited about it. I tell everyone that will sit still for about 30 seconds about this show and how they need to watch it if they haven't already. Most people, I think, already have. So, um, And you either liked it or you didn't, but I think most people have really seen it because it certainly got a lot of hype. Well, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, we got a little bit of news items. Where <laughs> I actually have some news items because now I can't be spoiled <laughs> anymore now that we have... Um, finally reached the end the first item we have one hidden ghost just one because hey they were mostly seen in this one right (laughs) i mean all the ghosts just came out to play in this episode they're like hey we ain't nothing to hide anymore we're all here but there was uh when adult steven returns to the house in the final episode we get another shot of a half hidden ghost standing in the doorway behind him um and he wasn't as well seen as some of the others that we saw in previous episodes but he is back there for sure got a screenshot so when Hidden Ghost and then all the ones that decided to make themselves known were all present and accounted for. Um, a little tidbit, um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, now we're at the end of 2018 going into the new year. Of course, everybody has all of their top shows of 2018 and um, talking about that. I thought it was uh, of note uh, that I should mention that GameSpot and IGN both declared Haunting of Hill House the number one show of 2018. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I thought that was super cool. And they declared it their number one show. And then I have seen countless lists of other um, uh, news uh, organizations calling, uh, or there's it's in their top 10 of 2018 shows to watch. So it's definitely getting a ton of accolades. People are loving it, the writing, the directing, um, and of course, um, just everything that went with it. <clears throat> I do have an article here from tvline.com. So this talks a little bit about the haunting of Hill House creator Mike Flanagan is aware that fans of his Netflix horror show have scanned every moment of footage for hidden meanings and visual slights of hand. He says he enjoys viewers' dogged conviction to unearth the truth of what really became of the Crane family, but he's here to also gently shut down any rumblings that the lives of Stephen, Shirley, Theo, and Luke didn't play out as they appeared in the last few minutes of the season one finale. He says, I've said a lot about the ending, and I'm reluctant to say more. I like that people are able to put their own spin on things, so I'm not eager to take that away from them, he tells TV Line. In this case, though, the ending can be read at face value. Um, So I guess basically it's because people were um, saying, well, I I think that they were still stuck there. 
uh, we talked a little bit about how he was talking about having the ending where it was kind of ambiguous where he had the the window from the red red room there but he's like nope this is how it ended what you saw is how it ended there's no you know ifs ands or buts about it so i think that if you have any um arguments about it he says Arden viewers of Flanagan's adaptation have cited various moments in the season finale, such as Olivia's stare as Hugh and Nell reunite in the Red Room as evidence that perhaps the Crane saga doesn't have as happy an ending as previously thought. Did you catch that when Hugh uh, goes in to hug Olivia and Nell and um, Olivia staring at Steve down the hallway? It looks very sinister Mm -hmm. um, there. Um, So people think that that, wasn't as as happy of an ending. Even series star Olivia Jackson Cohen stoked being theories when he, or Oliver, sorry, when he recently noted that in the finale ending flash forward, the cake celebrating Luke's second year of sobriety had red frosting and red was a prominent color in the red room fantasy scenes. Could that mean that the crane children actually are still trapped in the house? No, he says. He says, if they're still in the red room, it robs Hugh's sacrifice and the show itself of any meeting. For me, it ends exactly as it appears to. In addition, the EP says he he's tickled to hear people call the finale outcome uplifting. He was dead. Nell is dead. Olivia is still dead. He says, I always looked at it as just having a hint of peace, just a glimpse into the fact that life goes on. And there's some acceptance for the surviving characters. Acceptance, peace, and a little forgiveness doesn't lessen the loss they experience in that episode. It only shows that life has a way of going on and that these characters are finally accepting of that. That to me is perfect. Yeah, I agree with if if they are stuck there, that does kind of rob Hugh of his sacrifice. But I mean, again, then you, then you almost look at uh, Olivia's uh, as the big bad in this because she tricked mm-hmm. all the kids and everybody into being in this house after their death. Yeah. Well, I think she was just stuck in her own madness. And yeah. Hugh, I think, was so guilty of not or felt that guilt of not saving her and believing her, getting her out of the house earlier to to kind of save her. And, and he probably felt some guilt over um what he probably feels like was allowed to happen. And we didn't talk about that either. I just want to do want to know how beautiful it was that scene between Hugh and Steve, that they finally got their moment um, where they got to kind of reconcile with each other. And I just thought it was so beautiful when he tells Steve that, you know, you, your sisters and your brother um, were the best things that I've ever done. And you've made me proud every day. And I just, I broke, I was broke way before that, but it just really got me. And then when he turns from old Hugh to young Hugh and it just, Oh my God, I was done. Um, another article here from entertainment weekly. This was an interview with Mike Flanagan. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what he says, some parts that we really liked and got a lot of attention. So, uh, first question, there's a jump scare in episode eight. That is insane. It's a scene with Shirley and Theo in the car. How did you guys prepare that? Um, He says that was in the script and it was just like, oh, Nell's going to startle them out of this fight. In general, I don't love cheap scares. I think they can be cheap, but this one I thought could be really special because it's an episode about people talking in cars. It's like the one place you're never going to have a ghost. (laughs) So we put Victoria in her makeup and we put her in the backseat and Kate and Elizabeth knew where it was coming and it was scripted. And I just told Victoria before we read the first take and I um, subsequently earlier or she told her... Sorry, he says, I just told Victoria before we read the first take to come in substantially earlier than the written cue. The girls had another half page of dialogue to go through as written. And so Elizabeth and Kate were just in the scene 
They knew they had another half page of words to get through before Victoria would appear. And she just bolted up right in the middle of their lines. And so their reaction is completely genuine. It also scared the shit out of all of us at the monitor. (laughs) All of us who knew it was coming were completely blindsided by it. And every time I've seen it, I'm never prepared. I'm just never ready for it because I get sucked into what they're saying. And they seem so relaxed that it just gets me. I love that so much because... It's so true for all of us, right? Well, I think that's a great way to do that. Because, I mean, as you're an actor, it's like, okay, here comes the scare. I got to prepare for it. But those Mm -hmm. genuine scares, because, I mean, again, like, you know, whenever you're sitting there and somebody jumps out of the corner at you, that's a genuine, like, fucking scare. And that's what they got here. Yeah, that was beautiful. I love I love that authenticity and the genuine reactions. Like like you said, that was great. Next question. Um, This is a very clear ending, but could there be a season two? He says, I don't want to speculate too much about season two until Netflix and Paramount and Amblin let us know if they want one. What I will say, though, is that as far as I've ever been concerned with this, the story of the Crane family is told. It's done. I think there are all sorts of different directions we could go in with the house or with something completely different. I love the idea of an anthology as well. But to me, I felt like the cranes have been through enough. We left them exactly as we all wanted to remember them. Those of us who worked on it, we toyed with a cliffhanger ending and we toyed with other ideas, but ultimately in the writer's room and with the cast and everything else, we really felt like the story demanded a certain kind of closure from us. And we were happy to close the book on that family. Yeah, and that's what I like with some of these Netflix shows where they can kind of do that. It's like, hey, this is done. We're going to shelve it. You can go back to that anytime you want. If mm-hmm. we do something new, it's going to be its own thing. Exactly. I'll be interested. We still um, – now, this article was not like just hot off the presses. This was uh, more closer to when the uh, uh, episode originally – or when they all originally came out. That was around, what, Halloween, I believe it was. So this is a little bit back, but I have been checking the news nearly every single day. There is still – no news um, as of yet for a season two. I think they're just kind of figuring out um, what they would do. I think the story has to be right. I have no reason to see why they wouldn't want. I mean, this was a huge hit. Yeah, it was big for Netflix, and it got huge, hugely popular very quickly, and it got tons of buzz. So, I mean, I think Netflix would probably want it, but I think. I think it needs to be well done. I mean, this first season was pretty great, and if I'm sorry, but if you can't. If it can't be as equally good, then I'd rather not have a season two. That's my opinion. I really agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> I hate whenever you just kind of hook up to that money train and you just throw something out there with a title on it. But yeah, if they can get the same, get the same writers and stuff together to build something, kind of like Castle Rock, same kind of mm-hmm. idea. Absolutely. I as much as what you want more of that, and and you want another season of something because that just not the first one just really knocked it out. If you can't do the second season is equally good and serve the serve it justice like the first one i'd rather not have one at all i i don't want a piece of shit season two um i'm looking at you true detective season two <laughs> <laughs> so i think that's what happened they started riding that many train and writing off the success of the first season and they kind of threw out some crap and threw it at the wall and it did not stick um but anyway um, so now we have messages from the room beyond the red door for the last time. The last time we're visiting, at least for now that we know of the red door, uh, we're at our listener feedback portion. So our first one comes from Battaglia LaBelle. So I might be too late to comment, but man, I cried at the finale. I'm apparently the one person who doesn't think the ending was too neat because I find Nell's face in the last shot we see of her to be so haunting. 
She doesn't look happy that her dad is joining them. She looks horrified that another member of the family is going to be trapped in the house with them for eternity. Also, Nell's confetti speech was stunning. I actually typed out the whole thing just for myself on Tumblr. That whole scene is so good on every conceivable level. Level. Also, I'm the one person on earth who likes Steve. He's an idiot, but I really feel for <laughs> yep. him in the moment, like when they got to Hill House and his dad is just trying to get him through it while he is just losing his shit. And in that final scene where he left Hill House and all the ghosts were behind him, I feel like that was Houseling claimed to him. And when he dies, he's going to end up back at Hill House, whether he wants to or not. I'm so happy the other Crane kids get to figure their shit out and live. I'm happy that Luke is sober and Theo has a girlfriend fiance. I believe they're wearing rings in that last shot we see of everybody. Basically, I love this episode and I love this show. I loved it so much. I wrote fanfic for it. Thanks for covering it. I had a great time listening. Wow. Yeah, send us some of that fanfic. Yeah, if you don't mind, I would uh, love to read a little fan fiction. And if it goes into detail of Theo and her girlfriend, like that <laughs> won't offend me whatsoever. No, we will not be offended <laughs> by some Theo and Trish um, scenes at all. That's wonderful. I love when uh, something like that truly inspires someone. Um, that's awesome. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing it, that'd be great. We'll keep it to ourselves. If you want us to, I'd be happy to read it on air a little bit too. Not the whole thing. I don't know how much you got. But if if you would like to share it, uh, we'll definitely put it out there. Thanks so much. Um, next one we have is from Doug Fick. Hi, Doug, my good friend. Um, he says, as I hit the pillow on this Christmas Eve, visions of sugar plums dancing in my head are soon replaced by the visions of the bowler hat man <laughs> and the bent neck lady. As I ponder my slumber, I reflect at what a great show this has been. From the casting to the writing to the cinematography, it was a triumph. Thank you, Rima and Sean, for haunting us with this show. Hey, you're welcome. I have come to the decision that ghosts do not necessarily have to be dead. The man with the drink proved that there was no evidence that he was gone unless Shirley killed him off screen and we never saw it. Ghosts are indeed what Steve talked about. Uh, lies, secrets, betrayals. Memories can haunt us just as much or maybe even more than the poltergeist types. But that means there can be good ghosts as well. Happy memories, warm thoughts of loved ones gone or the Casper the friendly ghost kind. Coming to grips with your fears, your true self-image and mistakes are how we can minimize the bad ghosts, but they will still be there. Nell didn't haunt the rest of the family in the traditional sense. She haunted them to save them. Yes, from the house consuming them, but also to save them as a family. She rescued each of her siblings from their deepest fears and forgave them for their perceived sins. She would always be there, and that was her gift as a ghost. I love the message that he relayed to Liv, stating that you have to let your children go and allow them to face the world, good or bad, as that is our jobs as parents, no matter how scary that can be. So lovely how Mr. Dudley brought his dying wife to the house so she could be with her children. Did you catch back in episode seven when he was making his speech to Hugh in the basement about his stillborn child? He slipped and said, our firstborn. Um, a clue about Abigail being real. Yep, I didn't realize it at the time, but I did remember that uh, later. Um, just like Rima Joe, I could go on and on. <laughs> Yep, I ramble, sorry. Um, but a thought came to me. Could it be that all houses are haunted in different ways, good or bad, evil or benevolent, sinister or selfless? The show gave me so many great scares, allowed me to consider wearing adult diapers and shaving <laughs> off my arm hair to prevent it from standing on end while watching. Wishing the happiest of New Year's to Rima and Sean and to all our strange indeeders out there. May 2019, bring the happiest of ghosts into your homes. Oh, thanks, Doug. Yeah, that thanks, was some Doug. really nice words. That I, I, I like that. I'm glad that you brought that up about the fact that um, 
Shirley wasn't being haunted by a real ghost. That that ghost was her guilt. And yeah. Steve talked a lot about ghosts can be wishes. Um, and that ghosts, yes, you pointed out, Doug, can be lies, secrets, and betrayals. Um, I, I really like that. So our next one comes from Lindsay Slitch. So I went into this episode with some dread. I know multiple people who were disappointed by the final episode, and I heard some dumb spoilers about the black mold making them all crazy, and none of it really happened, which was an ending I would have hated. I don't know where the black mold spoiler came from, but I don't understand the disappointment. I actually love this ending. I don't mind a happy-ish ending, especially to such a sad and dark show. I know some people felt it was a cop-out, but I felt relieved after so much darkness. Mm-hmm. I've heard some people say they think the family is still in the red room, being digested, and them escaping and going on with the life is a hallucination given by the room to keep them complacent. That would be an interesting twist that could maybe lead to season two. Each person's hallucination, what they wanted followed by like a nightmarish truth. When Nellie touched them, was she helping them, saving them? I like that thought. Her monologue in the middle was beautiful and heartbreaking. I'm so happy she got to say goodbye and they all got to apologize and have some resolution with Nellie. I love the twist of Abigail turning out to be a real child. So many movies and shows lead us to think ghosts are people who are alive. Flipping that on its head and making it a real child who spent a season thinking was a ghost is a fantastic twist. I agree with that. That was actually really cool. Hell yeah, it was. Uh, I do have two minor complaints. No way do I believe Luke survives injecting rat poison. (laughs) No way. Did not love that Olivia, in a way, was a little evil in the end. I agree with that. I think she was a little bit evil there. Mm-hmm. Not evil, but just like you said, kind of just. She was still she mad. Away, so, yeah, mad. mad from the house. Uh, she was so bright and kind in the beginning. I hated she ended the show the way she did. Still angry and crazy and basically demanding a sacrifice of someone so she wouldn't be alone. I've been listening to the podcast for years, but have never been able to participate. I've really loved joining in for the show. You guys are awesome. Can't wait to see what you cover next. Well, thanks. Oh, th- thanks. Great one. Great feedback, Lindsay. We we enjoy your participation, and we're glad that you participate. We love all of the participation um, of all of our listeners so much. Um, I love all of that. I, I agree with you. And I think that it just, I mean, it's kind of sad to see that, I mean, Poppy was already mentally ill before she died. And clearly, death did not release her from that madness. Um, when Olivia died, she was, I believe when she was driven mad from the house, she was stuck in that state and it did not free her. It's a, it made me sad. That's why I'm like, it's not a happy ending. If, if, if it was a happy ending, dead Olivia would have been sane Olivia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that would have, you know, made it, I don't know, maybe it would have even been more sad, but I thought that kind of sucked. Um, so thanks Lindsay. Uh, Laura Willie Swink says, best series of 2018, in my opinion. I agree. I think of all the shows I watched this year, this is probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, gosh. Yeah. I, I, I don't even want to like think about comparing it to others, but it's, it's been outstanding in my opinion. Um, and then of course we also have, um, a voicemail from our good friend, Steve Brown. Hi, Raymond Sean. It's Steve. Um, I just finished watching uh, Silence Lay Steadily, and, uh, man, the tears are still uh, on my face. Um, uh, that spiral staircase, gosh, that would that would scare the hell of me uh, as a kid. So um, I loved Annabeth Gish, uh, wanted to, to say to Rima, uh, I really enjoyed it. I liked the Reyes and Doggett seasons. I know a lot of people uh, – talk crap about them 
those seasons for the X-Files, but I really mm-hmm. liked that, uh, their seasons. I liked the, the interplay between Annabeth Gish and, uh, uh, the guy that played Doggett. Um, Robert Patrick. So I, re- I really like those seasons uh, of the X-Files. Uh, do you think, did Hugh, had Hugh gone back to the house, you think, prior to this at some point? Um, I wonder because, you know, the, the ghost asks, how long has it been? And he says, too long. I, I, I just wonder if he's gone back at some point in between here because he knows to tell Stephen not to look at him when the when the thin man bowler ghost is uh, is walking by. I loved that uh, it was the Nell ghost that was helping them all along the way. And it's it's kind of cool that the Olivia ghost was saying to wake up to die, but Nell was basically waking them up to live. I, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't notice until the second time around in the motel room with Joey and Luke that the bed switches from being two single beds to one double bed in that scene. And that kind of gives you a clue that it's, that it's the house messing with him. It's not, uh, just, uh, Anyway, it, it wasn't a real thing. Um, gotta give props to you guys both that you were you were correct about Shirley's vision about the man that it was someone she'd had a a prior relationship with. Um, uh, loved the Nell ghost uh, continuing to say or saying a couple different times. I feel a little clearer now, talking about how she realized she understood now. Um, the first time I watched this, I knew that Hugh was dead. When when the, there's that moment when they're taking Luke's Luke out of the house, and you see Stephen and Hugh kind of stop and look in one direction after Theo and Shirley have kind of rushed by that area and they've rushed down the spiral staircase. I think some people thought that was a goof that why didn't Shirley and, and Theo notice? Well, because they weren't focused on what was to their left, they were focused on getting down that staircase. And so I, I knew as soon as I saw them stop and kind of look that direction, I was like, oh, Hugh's dead. He's a ghost. I remember thinking of the first time I watched it. Um, I loved Mrs. Dudley telling them, let it starve when, uh, or telling Hugh, let it starve when he wanted to burn the house down. And she's like, no, don't burn the house down because this is where the ghost of my child is. And she says, let it starve. I just love that, that line from her. And then um, I openly, I, I wept. I just wept there again at that last scene with Mr. Dudley bringing the body of, and I'm going to, I'm getting choked up. Now <laughs> talking about that Mr. Dudley bringing the body of his wife and us learning her, her name, him saying, Clara, I, 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 we made it here. Um, and uh, gosh, <laughs> such a uh, uh but yeah but seeing then seeing the young mrs dudley with the baby and with abby uh, next to them in the house and knowing that they're staying there uh gosh oh this has gone way longer than i thought it would go <laughs> i apologize for the length of this uh can't wait for the uh Black Mirror episode you're going to do, and I look forward to uh, 
hearing what you thought of the finale. Uh, talk to you later. Oh wow. man, Steve, I was in the same boat. I was sitting in the kitchen and my wife like was giving me weird looks like, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> and after it's over, I go up and I just hug her and I go like, Aww. our son's sleeping in bed with us tonight. I don't care. I know. Um, gosh, Steve, thank you so much. I always enjoy uh, your voicemails and your input and what you have to say. And I find it very touching, um, you know, that, that, you were vulnerable and, um, you know, admitting it, how touched you were with the finale. So many of us were, so many people have shared, um, you know, the fact that they've cried during so many scenes and episodes and especially the finale. Um, I'm right there with you. I cried. I, I know the entire, and, and both times when I watched it too, I mean, it wasn't, even though I knew everything that was going to happen, I knew everything that was going to be said. It still got me every single time and probably the second time more than it did the first time, even because I just knew what was going to be said. Um, so I, I love, I <laughs> I I, ha- I wish I could personally thank everyone that was involved in the show, from the actors to everyone behind the scenes, uh, for bringing such a great show um, to all of us because it really was unexpected. I was just expecting a really great horror show, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or series, and I was expecting to get scared, and I did get scared, but I also got so emotional, and I was so invested in these characters, and they brought such a wonderful story to life, and I thought it was great. Um, so. I just want to say uh, thank you to everyone that contributed feedback, that interacted with us um, through all of our social media sites. Um, and, and whether it was just we're talking back and forth, emails and voicemails, leaving feedback and just letting us know what your thoughts were and sharing your thoughts and your emotions with us as we go through this whole journey of the series, because it, it really was uh, emotional for me and it impacted. I think we all probably had some moments where we all felt um, that it really touched us in certain ways. So thank you everyone for um, being with us on this journey. It meant more to me than what I'll ever be able to um, be able to communicate to you guys. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Really appreciate all the feedback on this and we're excited uh, for you guys to join us on these journeys. And uh, with that being said, so next week we'll be covering, uh, it was just announced, I think earlier this week and it came out on Friday, December 20th, 28th. Uh, Reem and I are going to cover the Black Mirror movie titled Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've I've heard, and I think it's pretty much out there. This is a choose your own adventure, yes, uh, movie. So I'm really excited to see what we kind of uh, do for that episode. <laughs> I don't know if we'll do a top five as much as a hey, what the hell did you select? And exactly you know. <laughs> because I feel like we may not come to the same endings. Um, <laughs> at, you know, who knows? Uh, Sean, this is, I don't this think is new. The, I don't think the Theo and her girlfriend was an option. Well, I got there somehow, <laughs> Rima. Stop <laughs> judging me. Yes, Theo and and Trish and do get together and have an amazing scene together, right? (laughs) Uh, But the description for this uh, for this movie is: a young programmer makes a fantasy novel into a game. Soon, reality and virtual world are mixed and start to create confusion. I I'm really excited to watch this. I have heard, um, and I don't think this is a spoiler uh, at all for anyone listening, if you haven't watched it yet, or to you, Sean, I haven't seen it yet either. Um, I haven't had time because it just came out today. We're recording on the day it's been released and my darn day job and other things have prevented me from watching it. I have heard that based on the decisions that you make, it can run, like there's no real runtime. You know, when you watch an episode, it's like, oh, it's 47 minutes long. 
there is no legit runtime. I have oh, heard wow. that based on your decisions that you make, it can go anywhere from one hour to five hours. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I am super stoked to cover this. I think this is new ground that we're seeing here. I don't know. I hope it really doesn't become a trend, but God damn it. I just love Netflix and Charlie Brooker so much for coming up with this oh, idea. This is very much a Black Mirror thing. This is so Black Mirror. Um, geez, I am so freaking thrilled about this one. So we are really excited for you to join our paranormal investigation. Um, for updates from Hill House, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts on podcastica.com. So go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And also speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Oh, yes. We do our 2019 projection episode next week or this Sunday. So it's really all the stuff we're excited for for 2019. Oh, what a good episode. Yeah, it's a fun one. I love that. Well, as we are recording this, we just got past Christmas. So I just want to say personally before we wrap up this um, here at the very end um, that I hope that everyone had a, a really great Christmas, that you had a great time with your friends and family. I hope everyone has a safe holiday and hope everyone has a great new year. I hope that you join us and continue to join us and stay with us into the new year. We love having you here. Oh, yeah. We love our strange and dears as uh, Doug yes. is a kind of called a coined them. Yes. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 71, Silence Lay Studley. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Doug Fick is strange indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.